Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hey everybody, welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. We're on episode 37 uh, and I'm here with Bob today. Bob only. Justin is is off this week. He's accompanying his wife who's having surgery. So, uh, oh, so man. Best, yeah, best wishes to Debbie. Hope everything goes all right. Um, yeah, yeah. She, yeah, this is, it's, um, you know, it's always a bit scary when one of your loved ones goes to have surgery. So, you know, sending, <laughs> yeah, send, yeah. sending best wishes to, to, to the Rosarios right now. Um, yeah, yeah. We're going to miss him today. That's for sure. Definitely quite about. the week, quite the week, quite the week. Um, so we are, we have a number of uh, topics to talk about. Um, we're going to be talking about some good news. I'm going to, br- we're going to start with some good news, right? Uh, before we head into all the other stuff. Actually, there's quite a bit of good news this week. What am I talking about? We've got like three or four good news stories. Um, yeah, tons of good news. Tons of good news stories, right? So the first one we're going to go into. Um, in fact, I'm not, I was going to give you a rundown of the show, everybody. I was going to give everyone a run of the show, but I'm not. I'm going to surprise everyone. We're just going to go straight into it. Um, in fact, wow, four good news stories, I think. So the first good news story is the U.S. employees add 528,000 jobs. So unemployment falls to 3.5%. This is from Politico, right? America's hiring boom continued last month as employees added a surprising 528,000 jobs despite raging inflation and rising anxiety about a recession. July's hiring was up from 398,000 in June, and the unemployment rate slipped to 3.5%. That's good news. Yeah, absolutely good news. In fact, yeah, really good this news. is great news right on the heels of that GDP number, which was, I don't know, minus 0.9% decline you know, in the GDP, which some were arguing, and of course, people who have uh, political motivations were arguing, oh, that means we're absolutely in a recession. You know, you see two quarters of negative growth, that's a recession. Well, there are other factors that go into that. And certainly employment is a big aspect of determining whether or not we're in a recession. And we're not in a recession. <laughs> you can't have a recession while you're creating 538,000 jobs in a month. That's, I mean, 538,000 jobs is a staggeringly high number if you look back at recent history. And so that signals some uh, a, a strong economy for sure. Yeah. Uh, and the recession, I think, has more to do with uh, interest rates going up than anything else. And so it, it's really, we all have PTSD from the previous recession, you know, the Great mm. Recession of 2008 through whatever. It just seemed to go on and on and on, at least from my experience. And so whenever everyone, anyone says the R word, uh, then we all start to freak out because our next nearest reference to our recession was an economic meltdown. But uh, this whatever we're in right now, which I still think is a, a huge recovery out of the COVID pandemic, which by the way, the COVID pandemic is still ongoing, but needless to say the worst part of the COVID pandemic, the economy crushing part of that, 
So uh, in that regard, we're doing just fine. Gas prices are coming down. Inflation is uh, is easing. So I, I think we're just we're going to be fine. I don't, if there's anyone panicking, they're only panicking because they're they have an agenda. Yeah, you, you hear all these, you see a lot of the Republicans um, constantly talking about how bad uh, Biden has been on the economy. So I, I, got, I had a, I'm in the UK at the moment, right? So, and the Conservatives, right, are getting the blame for the recession over here, or, the, or the, not the recession, but the inflation that's happening um, in the UK. Like inflation, it might, it might even be worse than it is in the US. So the Conservatives are getting the blame for the recession here. Yeah, and the republic and and the Democrats are getting the blame for the uh, the inflation in America. So, yep. which one is it? Uh, is it conservative policies, or is it liberal policies, or is it just the fact that we've come we're coming out of a pandemic, uh, and we've had that there's a there's a war going on between Russia and Ukraine, gas prices have spiked, food prices have spiked because of this war. Um, is it that, or is it because? it's the left or the right to blame right it's it's not it's not um a matter you know what if anyone is to blame uh, it's going to be donald trump quite honestly because of his reaction to the pandemic which was disastrous and i think that launched a chain of events that has uh, if anything's put the economy on shaky ground i think it was the reaction to the pandemic early on and uh and so but I mean, as far as right now, um, yeah. th- there's no one to blame. This is a matter of circumstance. It's a matter of coming out of you know a, a global healthcare meltdown with uh, with COVID, and and that's that's principally what we're dealing with. And, yeah, and uh, it, you know, a lot all- of people taking advantage of of that too. I mean, I, if if there is some element to, for example, inflation. It's the cynicism of corporate America. It's the cynicism that goes along with American uh, capitalism. I'm not necessarily anti-capitalist, but when you have, for example, uh, payouts to Americans from the government, uh, universal basic income, for example, and uh, as we did during COVID, you know, people were getting paid basically to stay home and to, to not work, which was fine at a time when we all had to stay home. And consequently, I think a lot of uh, business interests see that money floating around and they go, well, people have money to spend. You know, it's a, the whole idea, the whole kind of trap door in universal basic income is if people get paid $1,000 a month by the government, then uh, businesses are going to raise costs by $1,000 a month. Well, you got that money. We might as well take it from you. Thank you. Yoink. And they run away. And so that's kind of uh the danger of of that idea but needless to say we're not seeing um that precipitating any sort of recessionary economy that's just not happening right and i mean i think look you know it's also how you criticize how governments behave um in response to these uh you know high inflation and whatnot and look the, the over here the tories are like not doing much at all right because mm. because they you know um they're conservatives so they yeah. they believe in the free market and to to solve all its own problems right but the biden administration is trying to do something to 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 solve the recession um so you know regardless of whose fault it is i think you always want a government in 
power that's going to help the mo- people who are most vulnerable. And the most vulnerable people are all, clearly people on low income um, who can't afford, you know, right gas, who can't afford to feed their families. Uh, what are what 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 do the Republicans have to offer? What are they saying? How are they going to curb inflation? What's their plan? They don't have one. Nothing. Zero. No, no. I mean, in fact, there's not really you, much you can do legislatively about right. inflation. There is no you can uh, magic rate. pill to solve inflation from a congressional point of view. It's all about monetary policy. It's really about Janet Yellen and the Fed as mm. far as in- inflation goes. And, well, it, obviously, it has a lot to do with OPEC and uh, gas prices as well. Uh, but that is something that's, you know, we've seen gas prices coming down every day since mid-June. And so mm-hmm. uh, in that regard, and, and more specific to our current predicament, that is, uh, that's, you know, kind of the the remaining piece of the puzzle as far as uh, inflation goes, as far as uh, the economy goes. So. Well, I mean, the job stuff, good news. I mean, can't, can't complain. Um, really, that's really good news. Uh, I'm happy that it's happening now. There are a lot of events that seem to be happening to line up in favor of the Democrats right now, which is great. Um, before we get onto more of that stuff, uh, we've got uh, Alex Jones. Our, oh, our, yeah. our, our good pal, Alex Jones, the um, the uh, all round awful human being, has been ordered uh, by a judge to pay, is it $4.1 million to the families of Sandy Hook? victims um so far so far there's going to be more yeah. i know you you've oh yeah quite deep on this bob haven't you, you, you did a <laughs> yeah well that was merely the compensatory damages mm. we still have the punitive damages to go this is the side of the damages that are intended to make alex jones stop doing what he's doing to punish him hence the word punitive mm. so that i believe is going to be handed down today and the other thing Ooh. to bear in mind is that there are this is the first of three that, different that, di- that's friday for everybody listening that's friday Hope, yeah so right right i'm sorry yes out. yeah exactly friday. i always forget the time check yeah. yeah uh yes friday friday is when it was handed down so people of the future you probably already know what the punitive damages are but what we don't know yet are the damages from the additional two other damages trials that he's going to have to go through the next one starting in september according to the new york times so uh i think there's at least there were four lawsuits against alex jones because of sandy hook by the sandy hook families Mm. and this is the first damages trial in that process Uh, and i read in new york times that there are a total of three damages trials but i thought there were four overall lawsuits so i don't know what's going on with the fourth it may have been a misprint in the new york times suffice to say alex jones is gonna have to go through this several more times <laughs> before he's done so if they nail him with huge punitive damages uh friday and again people of the future will know uh, up or down what that is but uh he still has more to come i mean he could end up getting ruined by this even though he's making apparently eight hundred thousand dollars a day selling snake oil to suckers he's basically eight hundred thousand a day yes that was part of his testimony under oath so he claims to be making eight hundred thousand dollars a day just in advertisements just in uh selling the uh, health supplements whatever the super male vitality whatever he sells 
as far as that goes, plus, uh, you know, tactical gear and gun paraphernalia as survivalist shit. That's what he sells. And he makes $800,000 a day doing that. So uh, there is a, a limit to how much that can compensate for the damage he's damages he's going to end up incurring here from these various lawsuits. So how that all plays out is going to depend on what we see in not only the punitive damages for this one, but the subsequent couple of <laughs> damages trials, which I can't wait. Can't wait to see how that all plays out. Get That'll the be popcorn fun. out. I mean, some of the footage from the trial is absolutely hysterical. <laughs> it is very much so. Couldn't happen to a better guy, could it? Couldn't have happened uh, to a nicer guy, right? It couldn't have yeah. happened to a nicer guy. Yeah, and the thing I noticed, uh, Ben, is the uh, attorney for the plaintiffs. I think his name is. I want to. I want to say Mark Blankson, but it's something like that. I'll have to look it up. But he reminds me the way he's questioning and behaving toward Alex Jones reminds me of Chess. Yeah. At one point, he shows uh, he he reveals to Alex Jones the fact that Alex Jones's attorney accidentally sent the entire contents of Alex Jones's cell phone to the plaintiffs' uh, attorneys. Yeah, yeah, and incredible. Alex Jones is trying to explain that away by saying, "Oh, uh, you know, I have several different phones, and they all have the same phone number." And uh, and the and the oh, attorney that's just really good. That's a yeah. scarily good impression. <laughs> the attorney just goes. Okay, Mr. Jones, indeed. Ha 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 ha. He's just got him trapped. He sounded like a Bond villain reacting to Alex Jones. It was so That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Did, did, but I mean, the, he, he was caught perjuring himself like Joe. I mean, it's just been a complete disaster for him. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I mean, yeah, I, I hope that they, you know, I hope that he gets completely bankrupted by this to the point where he, you know, like, it's is, possible, is, yeah. Yeah, is there a number? Do you think is there a number that 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 will destroy him? That will ruin him? Uh that's a good question. I again, I'm basing this on what he says his income is, which could be inflated or could be deflated. It's hard to know. Eight hundred thousand dollars a day is a I, lot. I highly doubt that. That that yeah. that sounds that sounds insane. No, I, I mean, I, <laughs> it does. No. Yeah, yeah, no. especially given the ups and downs of uh, advertising. I mean, you know how yeah. that goes. Like some Apparently some years, man. Yeah, you can't make any. By the way, the uh, plaintiff's attorney's name is Mark Bankston. That's the name. So I, I, I was close, I think. Um, $150 million in punitive damages is what the plaintiff's attorneys are asking for. So... I, but I think that there is a cap in the state of Texas in terms of how much you can pay out for mm. punitive damages. So that may save Alex Jones. But as I said, two more to go. So if this one doesn't get him, the next one might or the next one might. But cumulatively, they could end up screwing Alex Jones. Uh, he may end up doing his radio show from an abandoned Waffle House somewhere, you know. <laughs> Just God, yeah, you just want this guy to be, end up in a in a sort of a hostel yeah, somewhere. Yeah, because let's know? be clear about this. This is not a First Amendment issue. This is a, a matter of ongoing harassment based on a hoax. Right. He's got no real evidence whatsoever of this of Sandy Hook being a conspiracy. And by the way, how fucking ghoulish is it that you know he spent all this time since uh, twenty twelve. Uh, talking about how you know the children were crisis actors and they didn't really get shot and just all these 
insane conspiracy theories around uh, one of the worst American tragedies in history. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, he deserves every bit of this because he's perpetrating a fraud that is uh, inciting his fans to go and harass the families of Sandy, people who have gone through some of the worst things people can go through. Certainly right. the worst thing parents can go through. Unimaginable. Yeah, absolutely unimaginable. And, and yeah, he's, no, he's the, exploiting that for yeah. ratings and, and profit. I, I Yeah, it's, I mean, four million is nothing. So let's hope that, I mean, you know. Yeah. I think he's lying about his income. I don't think he makes anywhere near that, but I, I'm hoping <laughs> that's that he's got. Entirely possible, yeah. Yeah, I mean, who knows? The guy lives in a, he's completely deluded, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, here's the thing. It's it's really hard to know. I, I mean, we see him off his radio show in this courtroom setting where to an extent he's still kind of performing because he knows it's on video. Hmm. So it's really hard to know. But if you're picking up, let's take him at face value, which is always dangerous with Alex Jones. But neither yeah. let's say let's say he is making eight hundred thousand dollars a day. It would be very difficult to uh to change your uh, character, to change your personality, to change the tone and style of your show, if it's making you eight hundred thousand dollars a day, uh, so I just don't believe that. I just, I just, I just don't believe he's making eight hundred thousand dollars a day. It's impossible. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I guess uh, I would imagine quite a few people would be motivated to play a character as despicable as that character might be, if they're making eight hundred thousand dollars a day doing it. Mm. Um, the, the thing with Alex Jones is he never quite reveals that this is all a show. This is, this is all bullshit. Mm. And he's very clever about it because sometimes he throws in, uh, things that are true yeah. into the mix. It's all strategic. He'll throw in a couple of things that are, have a patina of truth to them. And then the rest of it is all about satanic lesbians and goblins <laughs> and and demons I and mean, that's that's the thing it's it's so weird with alex jones that he dismisses the idea of there being aliens elsewhere in the universe but there are absolutely goblins and demons right here on earth <laughs> so it's just it's just an upside down world uh designed for uh lost lonely people who desperately need purpose and their purpose now is to uh to expose the globalists and the <sighs> satanic lesbians apparently i mean the, the worst thing i'm going to get into this later but the, the one of the worst things is that how kind of normalized this has now become in america yeah. the, the alex jones like he 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 was before Trump came around, he was like super fringe. But now he's just sort of like, he's almost in the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like, uh, if you take Alex Jones and the Tea Party circa 2010, that's the Donald Trump movement. It's like a yeah. chimera of those two things. And there was a lot of overlap, certainly. Mm. But Alex Jones, uh, the Tea Party movement, probably filtered through to an extent Fox News Channel and AM Talk Radio. That's what Donald Trump is doing. Donald Trump is because Donald Trump has no core values. Mm. So what Donald Trump is doing is uh, while he does have biases, he is uh, very much putting on, you know, he is very much exploiting that audience by telling them what they want to hear. 
Yeah. And I don't know if it's like a character like Alex Jones is playing. I think what we see of Donald Trump is what Donald Trump is. Mm. But as far as what he says a lot of times is just like, well, this seems to be a popular thing among these freaks and weirdos. So here, I'm going to say some more. I'm going to say that. that. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Who knows anymore? This alt world is kind of, it's like the alt-right world is sort of, I don't know, it's, it's you, you don't know who's kind of, it's like Tucker Carlson, you know, Tucker Carlson is, is sort of, you know, he plays that game too. I mean, he's playing a much more sophisticated version of it, but he's playing that game too. So he throws in, the, it's like red meat, you know, that he throws in. He, I, I don't think he believes it. Well, maybe he does, you know, it, it's hard, it's hard to say now. Right, right. It's difficult. Um, well, look, let's m- moving on to the next the, ne- the next topic. I don't know whether this is good news or bad news, but it was cer- certainly quite eventful. So um, Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan. She visited Taiwan and uh, the Chinese government has gone absolutely insane over this. They've gone absolutely berserk. They've been firing missiles over Taipei. They've basically pulled out now of like they've told the US they won't be cooperating on on. Um, on the climate, uh, on, on any military stuff. Uh, it's pretty bad that, that there's been a, there's a huge diplomatic fallout over this move. Um, so I don't know, like it's a quite, it's such a difficult topic to analyze, right? Like I, you, you know, I, I've sort of, I've sought the opinions of people with very different perspectives on this. Um, in, you know, f- friends of mine, some of whom have got family in Taiwan and others who are kind of on the left and others who are on the right. Um, and my conclusion is that I, I sort of understand why Pelosi did this. And I think it was kind of orchestrated by, I don't, you know, Joe Biden, the Biden administration said that they didn't agree with Pelosi going. But I don't think, I think they probably did. I think they coordinated very carefully with Pelosi on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that that's my feeling, and my feeling is that they're playing a very sophisticated game here, of Biden saying, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, shake any, shake the nest or anything like that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But but also, you're sending a message to the Chinese saying, hey, don't fuck around, don't fuck around, leave yeah. Taiwan alone. This is you all know? diplomatic language to an extent. Yeah. This is like a communication back and forth between the United States and China. And, uh, Mm. you know, a great example of this, and I know it's not as hip anymore to bring up the West Wing, but there was an episode of the West Wing called Hartsfield's Landing, where Mm. President Bartlett takes uh, some of his staffers through, most specifically Rob Lowe's character, Sam uh, Seaborn, takes him through a scenario involving China and uh, and the movement of warships in the... uh, uh, I think it was the South China Sea or something like that, and and yeah. uh, and and walks him through the diplomatic process as far as communicating with China using nothing but military moves and uh, and that sort of thing. I think this may be something similar to that. I don't know what the end game is. I'm not privy to that information, but this I'm not overly alarmed by it. In fact, we were talking before that I haven't really been following uh, very closely this story. But it seems like this is uh, this may be scarier on the surface than it actually is. This yeah, may be something that will resolve itself. Yeah, where in the end, everyone will save face. We'll say what we need to say about uh, about Taiwan. Uh, they'll say what they need to say about about China and Taiwan. 
and everyone is satisfied and and they move on. I don't think this means any sort of long-term damage. I mean, it may cause some problems in in the immediate uh, period of time, but in the long run, I don't think it's going to damage uh, U.S.-China relations all that much. That, that's exactly that's exactly how I how I see this. I think that you know um, Pelosi is not stupid, um, and she wouldn't have done this without very very you know nuanced and high level talks with the Biden administration as to what the effects yeah. were going to be for this and how they thought China was going to react, and and China is reacting in a way that is you know I think they they they're making a big show of protesting this. You know, they're making a big show of protesting this. But you know, then nobody's going to war anytime soon, right? I I really don't think I, I don't think no, it's going to no, happen. Not but, over something like this. Not over no. uh, you know, the Speaker of the House traveling to uh, to Taiwan. I, I don't think it. I mean, it, there's always a chance, but uh, not with this, uh, because uh, I think China understands the language of diplomacy. They're not knee jerk assholes like Donald Trump or North Korea, mm. for that matter. Uh, they know what this is all about uh, because we've been down this road before. So. Yeah, and I, and I think it, you know, I think it actually it, it is important um, for the West to show that it is going to stand up to to, to China uh, on mm-hmm. on the issue of Taiwan. Um, I'm pro West on this. I'm pro Taiwan. Um, you know, I think that after the invasion of um, Ukraine by the Ru- Russians, I think it's given every despot, every dictatorship around the planet. Uh, you know, initially it's given them a sort of a, you know, a lot of confidence that they can go and do the same thing, right? Um, because they think, well, if Russia's going to do it, so then that we're going to do it. Uh, and also, you know, with the rise of Donald Trump, I think it also gave despots all over the all over the world this this idea that you know. Who cares about democracy? Uh, who cares? No, NATO is irrelevant. Um, the the West is irrelevant. We're going to do what we want. Mm. And I think it's important to remind the world: no, that no, this is the West is unified. NATO will stick together, and we are going to intervene. We are going to use force if necessary to intervene um, if you start threatening the integrity of 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 allies like Taiwan, like allies of like Ukraine. Um, I think that's important. You know, like I'm not condoning i'm not saying u.s foreign policy is great or has been great or british foreign policy has been great or is great or the you know a lot of what europe has done but the fact is we live in a world um where there are the 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 the, the competing powers on 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 earth are you know china uh russia europe and america and mm-hmm. of those four part of those four blocks two of them are democratic and two of them are not yeah, and I'm going to take the. I'm going to as for all its sins. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick with the West on this. On this, right, right. And you know, there are a lot of foreign policy experts too, China experts in particular, who are saying that this could lead to a more substantive diplomatic engagement between the United States and China. So, uh, I, I think the upshot may end up being a relatively positive one. Yeah, I, I I hope so. I hope so. I think it will calm down and and it will be fine. So, I think Pelosi did the right thing. Um, you know, I think uh, you know th- this isn't going to be. There's a lot of alarmism about this. I'm I'm not going to play into that. Yeah, it, this is not Russia e- either. Uh, so you know, yeah, we'll see. How, we'll see where this goes. Right, right, um, right. So another good news this week: Kirsten Cinema signed off on the Biden climate bill. 
this is really good news. Again, I think like that, it was sort of a, you know, we sort of knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is great news, right? The Arizona, this yeah. is in the New York Times. Um, the Arizona Democrat had been her party's last remaining holdout on the package, now slated to move forward on Saturday to pass the set and pass the Senate within days. Um, so, Cinema, yeah. uh, this is per the New York Times, announced on Thursday evening that she would support moving forward with her party's climate tax and healthcare package, clearing the way for a major piece of President Biden's domestic agenda to move through the Senate in coming days. To win Miss Cinema's support, Democratic leaders agreed to drop a $14 billion tax increase on some wealthy hedge fund managers and private equity executives that she had opposed, change the structure of a 15% minimum tax on corporation, and include drought money to benefit Arizona. So, you know, look, She's a greedy little so and so. Um, yeah, such a really sellout, is. isn't she? I mean, she's she was a a Green Party um, amazing right member. Yeah, and now she went to bat for hedge fund managers. Are you serious? And, and the major corporations. That I mean, I understand the politics of it because people see, oh yeah, there's going to be a tax increase on corporation, fifteen percent minimum tax on corporations. What they don't see is the fact that. It's only going to be applied to corporations that make a billion dollars in profits or, or more. Right. And, and, and so she goes to bat for those guys. I mean, that's insane. Amazing. So every time you go and you see in the news that Amazon.com paid zero in taxes, you can thank uh, Kirsten Cinema. And I still go back to the thing, Ben, where is there any Democrat in Arizona or elsewhere who actually likes Kirsten Cinema, was she placed in that post in order to do shit like this and then to leave office when she's voted out because Democrats fucking hate her? And that right. seems it's like the key to it. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. right? It, it, it is crazy. But I, I think, you know, from from what I've heard about Kirsten Cinema is that she gen- she genuinely is not really attached to reality, um, that she has a rem- an incredibly high opinion of herself. Yeah. Um, and vastly overestimates her importance in in the national sort of you know um, mm-hmm. in, in, in on the national political scene, um, and she's clearly trying to turn herself into a sort of John McCain Maverick type character. But I just think that she, yeah, she doesn't. She's not a war hero. Uh, she doesn't have that kind of gravitas. She's just annoying, um, and she's needlessly held up Biden's agenda. Like absolutely, completely pointless. Think about how much stuff could have happened if if her and and Joe Manchin had got on board with, you know, you know. Finally, we're here. But how long has this taken? It's taken two years to yeah. get anything passed. It's ridiculous. Um. So, but anyway, regardless, you know, she like, I don't, I don't want to give her any credit on this at all. Uh. I just, you know, it, it is a good thing though that they finally got it passed, and some good is going to happen. I think that's really good. Yeah, and you know what? The silver lining of it passing now, I'm actually glad that it passed now and not last year when it was when Build Back Better was originally proposed. This being the uh, you know mm. the remains of Build Back Better. If Build Back Better had passed back in October, November of last year, it would have been more robust for sure. But at the same time. Would anyone remember it by now? No, absolutely not. We don't remember the American Rescue Plan that was right. passed by Joe Biden that re- rescued the economy that we can basically credit, uh, you know, the economic recovery to that. Uh, we, yeah. can, we can credit uh, increased access to vaccines and things like that to those early successes. There, plus, there's the bipartisan infrastructure bill and so on. Lots of successes in there. 
But I think so much of it gets flushed down the memory hole, especially when you've got television, cable news, pundits talking about inflation and gas prices and how we should all be voting based on that, which is madness. I I hate when cable news does that, where they reinforce the biases of the people by reporting on what the people are voting on. It's just it's like a it's just such an Ouroboros of bullshit between (laughs) between voters saying that they're pissed off about gas prices and then pundits saying, yeah, people are pissed off about gas prices, so they're not going to vote for Democrats and Republicans are going to take back majorities. And then people go, yeah, I guess that's okay to do that. (laughs) And so they end up voting that way anyway. And so very, very frustrating. But any successes that would have happened or that did happen last year, people aren't going to vote on that shit. They're going to vote on what's happening to them right now right as they're filling out their ballots. So I feel good about this string of successes by the Democrats and the Biden administration recently uh, because people are going to start filling out their mail-in ballots any day now in some cases. So, uh, in fact, I need to look that up. I need to look up when mail-in ballots are going to start getting churned out because uh, the timing of this is all pretty damn solid. The timing of the next... uh, as they're calling it, season two of the Jan 6 committee is going to be in September. Uh, they're really stacking this shit up. And and the Democrats, suffice to say, the Democrats are playing hardball all around with a mind mm. on the midterms. And uh, there are several aspects to that, too. I think some of these... Uh, <laughs> Some of these examples of Operation Chaos, where they've been supporting uh, Trump-backed Republican candidates in the primaries, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily do that myself, but I can kind of grasp the high stakes that they're playing with to try to get, mm. uh, you know, a, a crazier candidate to run against, hoping that you know people will see that that crazy candidate is not worth voting for. Um, all that shit is with a mind toward the midterms. And we're starting to see that paying off by the generic polls and your generic polls are dead. Even Nate silver, dead, even between Republicans and Democrats, uh, right now. Yeah, it's all good. It's it's really good news. I mean, look, there was a whole, there was a whole thing this week about, um, Peter, I think it's Mayher, Mayher, Peter Mayher, I think. Uh, Oh yeah. 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 So um, Peter May is one of the few Republicans uh, who who voted to impeach Trump, right? So he wrote a piece um, for Barry Weiss and uh, Barry Weiss's uh, anti-woke grifting um, website. Um, so and he lost, right? So he lost against John Gibbs in the Republican primary for Michigan's third um, congressional district. So... Like, I get it. This guy wrote, he's complaining, saying this is unethical that the Democrats are funding, basically kind of helping my opponent win. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, people are saying, well, this guy, is, he's really brave. He voted to impeach Trump. No, you just did the right thing. Like, it's not, you're not brave to, to oppose your party and, and um, vote to impeach Donald Trump, right? If you were, if you were serious, you'd, you'd run as a Democrat. Right, you would if you were serious, um, you would abandon your party. That's what yeah, I think. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not into giving. Like, I, I, it's great that Liz Cheney and all these people are opposing their party uh, and standing up to Donald Trump. I think that's really good. But I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to go and and say that they're you know the 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 next coming of Winston Churchill. Um, and look, this is politics. Like, su- suck it up. You know, yeah. Get used to it. Like, this is what happens. 
I, I wanted to add too that people are framing this as though the Democratic Party got these guys elected. <laughs> they may have helped uh, on the very extreme fringes of the voting block that chose to elect these people. It's the responsibility for voting for Trump Republicans in these primaries. 99.99999% of that is the fault of Republicans. Yeah. I, I just, I love this talking point that, oh yeah, it's the Democrats just, just gave us, stuck us with these uh, crackpots running Doug Mastriano and Dan Cox here in Maryland and the entire array of freaks and weirdos that got elected in Arizona in the primaries. Uh, this is not the Democrats' fault. This is a an extremist Republican Party that voted for Trump Republicans. <laughs> wasn't like uh, Democratic voters went out and helped vote for these guys. There may have been yeah. some money pumped into uh, those campaigns, uh, some ads along those lines. But again, you're talking about a matter of you know tenths of a percentage point. Uh, in the margin of victory uh, in, in, yeah. in those cases. Yeah. Blame Fox News. Blame your party. Blame everybody. Like, these are the people that, that are responsible for the extremist candidates, not yeah. Democrats. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. If we're going to, you know, I'm fully on board with taking advantage um, or, on playing playing hardball politics. I know, I know you, you've got some reservations, but I'm, I'm all for it. Like, you know, do it. Fight fire with fire. Get down and dirty. Like these guys are are, are fucking criminals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And well, and we we just have to be sure that we get out and vote and make sure they lose. Now, I mean, that's yeah. the key to all of this. If if that doesn't happen, then the risk is uh, is all for nothing, and it's a it's a huge risk. It it, it is a, it is a risk, but I think you know you got to as they say, no risk, no reward. You know, I think like yeah. the reward could be huge. The rule could be huge that they could basically humiliate Republicans around the country, you know, retain the Senate, retain the House. Um, th those are those are that's the prize that you want, right? Which is which is um, to maintain control of all branches of government, so you can actually start getting things done. Yeah. So you know, look, like, yeah, it sucks that there are there are some Republicans. I don't hate all Republicans. I think some Republicans are fine. Um, you know, Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney's out there running ads against Donald Trump for his daughter. Like, do I love Dick Cheney? No, but you know, yeah. On this one issue, I'll be. You know, congratulations, yeah. well done. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, I think we all recognize that Dick Cheney is a villain responsible for many horrible things. Uh, that that being said, you know, there was a a tweet by my friend uh, Rocky Mountain Mike today that I'm trying to find because he God he nailed. Uh, the whole guy, I think the, the reaction by liberals to Cheney. Oh yeah, here it is. I get that Cheney is a war criminal and an asshole, but if we ever want to change Republicans minds about Trump, something tells me he's going to be more effective at it than say Adam Schiff. I don't need people to remind me that Cheney's a bad guy. So that, uh, yeah. I thought that kind of nailed what our perspective should be on Cheney chiming in on his daughter's race for reelection. Yes, absolutely, right, absolutely, and and again, it's like um, as Winston Churchill said, he'd do a deal with the devil if he thought he would, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, he thought he could beat Hitler, you know, right, um, right. So I, 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 I'm all for it. I'm all for making alliances wherever you can. If you, if you, because obviously the, the threat to the system is so grave that um, 
you know, it's either get get him, you know, basically ally with the Chinese or or America goes down the toilet. There is no mm-hmm. democracy. I think you, you ally with the Chinese. No matter it doesn't matter, right? You have to put aside your differences and, and realise that like it's like an alien invasion, right? It's like I I team up with even Donald Trump and the MAGA lot if there was an alien invasion threatening to eradicate humanity. I'm sure that they'd probably be they'd end up being pro alien. Mm-hmm. Um you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I <laughs> but but if they were if they were against the aliens, then you know, trying to destroy planet Earth, then I'd I'd team up with the maggots. Um, but in this case, you know, the 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 maggots are the aliens, and uh, the Chinese right. are just, just are somewhat human. So I'll I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, and again, he's talking to Republicans. He's not trying to, you know, he's not talking to you and me, Ben mm. Cheney, in that video. So. Right, exactly. Let, let them exactly. let them do their thing as long as they're not uh, doing it to own the libs or whatever. You know, they just they're just looking to win. And in fact, in a sense, they are because I'm sure Liz Cheney's running against the Democrat. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but as far as thinning the herd of Trump back Republicans, you know, maybe there's a chance for Liz Cheney. I doubt it, but still a chance. Yeah, yeah. So, well, look, we're going to move on to our. Um uh, both sides segment this week where we have um, I- examples of extreme Republican assholishness. Is that a word? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Basically the point of this segment is to highlight the fact that both sides are not the same despite the media's insistence that they are. Um, so this week, so my, I think I've chosen this person quite a few times now. Um, so, but uh, anyway, my pick this week is Marjorie Taylor Greene, hmm. um, who uh, basically I would while he's on trial, right, for defaming the parents of of a child killed in the Sandy Hook mass shooting. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted out the following: Right, there was a moment in um, uh, when Alex Jones was talking about. Um, who was in a relationship with the, about the Clintons, Jeffrey Epstein, um, and paedophilia and all that kind of stuff. So Alex Jones brought this up in the trial. Uh, and then Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted out, um, she tweeted this out on August 5th, on Friday. At three, um, she said, um, actually on Thursday night, rather, she said, I'm going to text my friend Alex Jones how much I, along with countless millions of people, are proud of him for that answer. Yes, we all want to know what the relationship was with the Clintons, Jeffrey Epstein, and whoever else, uh, and paedophilia. So, <laughs> look, the timing of... The, I don't know what she's talking about. I don't really care what she's talking about. I couldn't give a shit about Alex Jones' deranged rantings about the Clintons and Jeffrey Epstein and blah, 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 blah. But what I do... Um, what I am completely opposed to is the fact that think about the timing of this. This guy is on, he he's literally on trial, right. For defaming the parents of, of a, of a kid killed at Sandy Hook. Yeah. And she's tweeted out there tweeting about how he's my friend and I'm so proud of him. Fuck you. Yeah. Right. Like this is again, again, this is an elected member of Congress, Right. This is I, I I just want to reiterate this right. This is a this is the Republican Party right. Mm-hmm. There are no equivalents on on the left, none whatsoever. No nobody on the left, no elected member of Congress on the left, no Democrat is out there shouting out props to Alex Jones while he, while he's on trial for defaming um, the parents of a of a of a dead child. 
disgusting. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's horrible. Yeah, they've got no shame whatsoever with this shit. No shame. No shame. And, no shame. Yeah, and just to be clear about Marjorie Taylor Greene and her mandate, her role as a member of Congress, she's not there to legislate. She's not there to contribute in any way to the functioning of Congress. She's there to use Capitol Hill as a platform for her fuckery. And yep. this is an example of the fuckery that she engages in. So she's using she she's an elected member of Congress who does nothing that normal members of Congress do. She's pretending to be a TV pundit. This is all the effect. And I, I'm speaking in generalities about Marjorie Taylor Greene and not necessarily specific to what you're talking about, Ben. But it's important to reiterate this and emphasize the fact that there's been a scrambling of roles and uh, and mandates when it comes to Republican governing, Republican politicians in particular, where they don't really care about governing anymore. They've just decided, mm-hmm. fuck governing. We, we just have no interest in that whatsoever. We're going to be just like the people that you hear on AM talk radio and on uh, uh, Trump Republican podcasts like Ben Shapiro and Dan Bongino and, and all those guys. And so they're essentially, uh, they, they, they observe the fact that all of those shows, all of those personalities are very, very popular. Mm. And so they're, they're using their political platforms to just uh, rubber stamp those kinds of things, the incendiary language and owning the libs and uh, just radical policy proposals that is normally the purview of, of television, radio, and internet punditry. But uh, they shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Needless to say, uh, they don't understand the the differences between being uh, an elected leader, especially at the national level, and being a pundit. There are different layers to politics, and each of us have our own roles in the process. And when things start to break down is when uh, elected leaders don't understand what their role is, and they start trying to do something else. And in the case of Donald Trump, for example, Donald Trump has no interest in governing necessarily. He, his only interest is uh, doing whatever he has to do to perpetuate this uh, this uh, style of punditry that we see all over uh, right-wing talk radio that's been developing for years and years and years, popularized by Sarah Palin and people like Rush Limbaugh and Bill O'Reilly and Glenn Beck. And he's just co-opting that and being that and doing whatever he has to do in order to keep doing that. And that's the extent of his governing. His governing is just enough to keep him uh, in business to, so he can continue to exploit suckers by, you know, pretending he's a TV pundit. It's ridiculous. Right. Exactly. Speaking of Glenn Beck, whatever happened to that guy? Is he still, I can't remember. He still does a show. Uh, he still does his thing. It's just not on Fox News anymore, obviously. Because uh, he was but, too wacky for Fox News at one point, and then and then Donald Trump came around, and then uh, they were like, "Oh, actually, yeah, we, we're going to get back into the Glenn Beck crazy, crazy yeah, stuff." Yeah, Glenn Beck's a great example of how the Republicans have co-opted the idea of uh, you know televangelists and tra- like traveling faith healers. Mm. He kind of does that. It's in fact the entire movement is based around exploiting people who have in the past <laughs> given their life savings to faith healers and you know uh, frauds along those lines. 
And but uh, it wasn't it, Fox News got out of that business before it got back into that business. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, but anyway, but but who? <laughs> do you, what do you have a a uh, um, a star for us this week? For yes, both sides segment. Yeah. Who, 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 who's your pick? Well, uh, I would say Republican delegate Chris Pritt from West Virginia. He's a member of the West Virginia State Legislature and, in fact, the entire Republican delegation in uh, the West Virginia Legislature. They're actually calling for um, a ban on child support. And this is all in connection to uh, their crusade against abortion and abortion rights, reproductive rights. Excuse me. They believe that child support incentivizes men to convince their wives, girlfriends, et cetera, to get abortions. So they won't have to pay child support. So the men won't have to pay child support. And if you eliminate men having to pay child support, then they'll be less inclined to coax pregnant women into getting abortions. You see how that works? So at a time when we should be expanding responsibility like that expanding child support especially if women are forced to give birth they're calling for a complete you know ban on child support in west virginia and so this is one of the many things that will happen as uh as a consequence of roe v wade getting struck down but you know i i say all that with the warning to republicans that the people are pissed off. And what we saw in Kansas this week is a huge indicator that the Republicans could be in for a rude awakening on election day. And uh, that's for sure. I think the entire midterm forecast has changed as of this week. It was it was on its way to changing, but now it's going to change. But g- going back to this West Virginia thing, uh, they're looking for other ways. Now the mission is to reinforce their ban on abortion, to close as many doors to uh, reproductive rights as they possibly can beyond just banning abortion. Yeah, I imagine this will eventually evolve into... Uh, making sure women can't leave the, the pregnant women can't leave the state that they're in uh, all kinds of other uh, punishments. It's heading that way. Yeah, yeah it really is. Um, unless uh, Americans get out and vote, 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 vote. Yep. Um, so listen, we'll, we're going to leave it there uh, this week. Uh, we're going to head into the members only section where uh, we're going to be having a very a bit of a random uh, members only podcast where we're going to be talking <laughs> about the most important books, book, that we've ever read and all right we haven't read so i'm sure we've read some of the same books bob i'm sure you've got your own one i don't yeah. know what your favorite book is that's why i thought it would be a fun thing to do i want to <laughs> okay. know what the not necessarily favorite but the most important book that you've ever read yes uh, so we, we're going to be discussing that i've got a pick it's a, it's a strange one um and it's not even necessarily i don't even think it was correct but I, it necessarily was very important it, but anyway it was very important for me very formative um so we're going to head into the members only section. Uh, you can click on the link. You get 60 day free trial on a Bantam membership if you click the link and you can listen to it for free if you would like that. And you can get, if you actually stick with us and get your membership, you're going to be supporting independent media. You know, that's how we stay alive is by with, through memberships. So um, your support is really, really appreciated. Uh, thanks everybody for listening and we will see you next week. Take care guys.